This is Pastor Troy. You're on the dock, and we're having a good time here. We're in the final section of our incredible series, FCA and Nation of Coaches. And let's just get you orientated. We're going to get you today. This conversation is going to get your faith out of the shallows, I promise you. We're going to get you deep out in the deep today. We've got some great leaders, some great men of God here around the table. It's going to be an incredible experience as we wrap this up and we cut these guys loose. By the way, we're available on the dock. It's available on many platforms. YouTube's our primary, as well as iTunes and Spotify. Check those out. First and foremost, then you can find us also on Google Podcasts, Facebook, Roku, Rumble, SermonNet, and social media presence on Facebook, Twitter, Telegram, and Instagram. Check us out there as well. And we wish you would please subscribe, like, notify, hit all those things that make the algorithms like us. So we appreciate that. And mostly share it with your friends, comment, and let us know how these guys are doing. It's incredible stuff they did in, in, in part four. And Patreon is our partner program. You can go to Patreon. You can download their app. Go to Patreon. Become a partner or a sponsor of On The Dock. We'd love to have you. Lots of options there as well. And you can find out more about all that. You can find all our platforms, the Patreon link, and all that at onthedock.org. And info at onthedock.org is an email to get a hold of us. We'd love to talk to you. And then we're in FCA and Nation of Coaches Part 5 Roundtable. I've got four incredible men of God at the table. And right now I've got Roger Leip sitting in with me as my co-host. He was our feature in the first three, and now he had to move across the table because he brought in heavy weights. I mean heavyweights. We're not just picking on, on you guys, but you guys are good stuff. It t- I mean, it's not enough table. It's a 100-year-old table. It was 10 foot long. We cut that off for the coffee table for the other set. This is a serious table, but we need a serious table for these guys. This is like amazing, amazing group of guys. But we've got Roger Leip with us again. Roger's the co-host for this. He is uh, 27 years coming off a of Fellowship of Christian Athletes now working for the Nation of Coaches as their coaching director. What is that? What, character coach director. Yep, is that right? That's right. That's great. A- incredible. Uh, he's a great man of God. Lots of books and lots of prolific stuff going on in his life. But uh, we're sure glad to have you here. He's married. We find out that him and Coach Martin both have two grandchildren. They're one ahead of me. I'm very jealous. The good part is is that that uh, I like Sharon better than Roger, but I like – I mean, I like – I like Roger so much that it's <laughs> improportional, you know, like that. So, but Sharon is just fine. Thank you for. She's the best wife I've ever had. I, <laughs> I tell everybody they say say who's this woman? I say this is the this is my latest and my last. <laughs> so she's the no first. Doubt. Yeah, no, no, I couldn't handle another. And, and I'm so blessed with Mother Beth. So we're so excited to have you guys here, uh, Roger. Just real quickly introduce our coaching expert team here today. Yep, going left to right, Coach Kerry Martin, head football coach at Marion High School, and then Coach Shane Garner, who coaches, he's the head coach of basketball at Cesar Valier High School, and Coach Nathan Emmerich, head volleyball coach at Carterville High School. All great guys have been able to watch their coaching careers uh, as they've developed, and uh, guys for whom I have a tremendous amount of respect just by one, the kind of men they are, the kind of husbands they are, the kind of fathers they are, and I watched them coach, and I thought, these guys are the complete package. On this uh, wrap-up session of this walk-away game here, we're going to go to the roundtable discussion, with, which is one of our trademarks here that we're trying to develop, where we just basically, when we get a group of guys around here, we get some people on the show, we want to get to the end and go, let's go back and, and look at things that we didn't chase. Let's go a little deeper. Let's let these guys throw stuff out that they maybe hadn't thought about, and so we've been sitting here thinking about, what can we do to help you get off the dock and get out there. We want you to get out there. We want you to be inspired. They've already given in, in session four some incredible tools to help you. If you're somebody out there and you're thinking about coaching at any division level, tykes, yeah. any level, you're thinking about getting involved. Honestly, you could use this as a husband and wife leading a family. It would work yep. in your family. They gave some real basics. They gave the basics that you need to have relationship first, that you need to have. Understand that most of the players that we coach are not going to make it to the pros and get the big contract and get a Heisman and all that kind of stuff. 
So you need to play. I, I think, uh, Coach, you said, uh, Coach Gardner, you said play the percentages. The percentages, they are going to get married. They're going to be fathers. They're going to be mothers. Let's, let, let's give them tools that they can be successful by, and everything else is a bonus on top of that. And that character always matters. And then mm-hmm. finally, we talked about, uh, C- Coach Martin talked about getting an expectation, an ethos, where you build a culture in right from the start, set expectations for your players, your parents and stuff, and, and, and get, get things managed right off the bat. So I really appreciate that. We're going to give you a lot more tips here. So if you're listening, we're going to give you tools to get out there. But I had a bonus question. Let me get my let me get the right screen up here. I had the uh, I had I had one question I didn't get to ask in section four. I'm going to lead that off, and that's going to get us started here. So the question is, guys. I, I coached uh, all the way up to high school with my son Joshua. Then he went off to McKendree to play football for them. And you know, after and then I went back down and picked up one of my other sons. And he was down at the time. He was down the front. I coached Josh all the way from Tykes football. I started coaching him when I was at Highland as a, as a, starting the church in Highland. Went to Waterloo. I went to Waterloo. Started. I coached one year at Columbia uh, with their team. And then we Waterloo is where I started the church. I started the entire Waterloo Junior Football League myself. Hmm. It started out of our church. It was our main witness. It was great, and uh, and and then finally we we it, then we moved to Pawnee and played up in Pawnee and stuff like that. So I, I got a few years. I got him all the way up to high school. Jumped back down. Got my other son Caleb. Caleb Caleb was really good. They were really looking at him at like different places because he's a center and a long snapper. He played for Aaron Aaron and uh, Josh played at Pawnee, and they both played very well. So Josh Caleb said, "I want to be a pharmacist." I said, okay, great. Son, you've got two schools that want to give you money and go free. <laughs> Your brother went free to McKendry. We like free. We're pastors. You know, we're not going to go into debt on this. We like free or we like John A. Logan. You know, nothing wrong with John A., but, but we like free. And so he had two people wanting to give him money. One of them was uh, Tulane. And I, I called him. I said, I said, can you, you how's the pharmacy program? And the coach said, I don't know. I've never had one. Yeah. They called me back a few minutes ago, and they just laughed. They said they called the pharmacy department to see how they would work with a football player coming through to be a long snapper. <laughs> and they were like, well, you know, we'll get him a tutor and stuff. And they said the pharmacy people laughed at the coach. So he said, based on their laughter, they said medical school could work it out, but pharmacy, no way. <laughs> so the boy ended up going to St. Louis College of Pharmacy cost us a fortune the good thing is he got a six-figure job coming out first job so oh, so okay. but you know he, it does help a lot you, you got to seven-year program it's oh, crazy unreal. the boy could have been snapping footballs and be debt-free instead <laughs> just come on so i got a chance to coach but one thing i learned pastoring and coaching the one thing that the most uh, the tough thing is the wife sits in the stands the wife sits and listens and watches and supports the husband and the other kid. You've got a wife that's competitive too in coaching. So it could be the other way around. It could be the husband up in the stands and the wife's coaching. You're sitting up there and they're just hearing everything that's being said about you as a man, both good, bad, the ugly. You're, you're being filleted by the one person in the top corner that thinks that they have a better idea of how to run the game than you. You're just getting weekly filleted. Your social media stuff's being blown up, you know, and you've got those things. How do you balance as Christian coaches how do you balance protect and keep your family so many clergy kids are burnt out they hate the church that they give up the church they just go off the farm because they see their parents just getting the snot beat out of them how do you manage that as christians in the world of coaching when you're doing that as your life so that's your first one i don't know who to start with we'll start man i don't know y'all we'll let you guys go freestyle whoever wants to jump in um i think for me as far as from like my kids and stuff they're still pretty young my daughter's the oldest who's gonna be eight and in july so as far as them kind of picking up on that stuff um 
it's not as much. I mean, I'll be honest. Uh, I coach volleyball, and we don't typically have a full crowd where, you know, the bleachers are packed every night, and there's you know seven, eight hundred people watching you. Uh, typically at our games, whether it was when I was at Cobden or or at Carterville this year, um, there's plenty of places to space out. Um, so my wife usually does a pretty good job of giving herself some room or making sure she's sitting next to people that are um, supportive. That supportive and she trusts and things like that. And um, I don't know. I, I, I guess I haven't really dealt with that as so much. In the volleyball arena, nobody stands up and hollers at the top of their lungs on a recurring basis. You suck. Um, you know, they haven't yet anyway, but it's early. It's early. It's early. And things could change now that uh, COVID li- is starting to hopefully lighten up a little bit that uh, it might bring, uh, bring everyone out to, uh, to Lions Yeah, gymnasium. you could. I, now, I know Coach Gardner has no problem like this because he's from a small town. He knows everybody. You know, First of all, he can show up at their house. He knows their address. It's a small. You're in Cesar Valeria, is that right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know where everybody yeah. lives. And if you look at him, he's the size of the Hulk. So, I mean, you just have to be at, First of all, anybody hollering at you, it's got to be partly unstable. So you just start having pity on them. Yeah. I pity the fool. You know, and so you've probably been a little bit more around this in, in what you're doing. Unfortunately for me, they show up at my house. They know your address, or at the grocery store, or the you know the, the personal time is not a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, uh, I know for my wife, it was hard at first. Um, yeah. my, my children are, are still young, just like Nathan's. Um, you know, but but one thing is the the gentleman who I coach with, all, all four of us are, are very close. We're a very close knit, and so our wives are also very close. That's good. You have a support um, system, and so our wives kind of sit together. They, but <laughs> if you come to a game. My wife and the other coach, they'll be sitting right behind the bench. That's great. Um, that's, that's they good, sit good right move. behind the bench. They support. There's usually kids and toys and trucks and all that stuff going on. Yeah. Um, part of that is for their own protection because they don't want to hear the nonsense either. Yeah. Um, but also, it they feel a part of it. You know, they're, They are a part of it. Mm-hmm. It's not just that's the coaches plan. doing the thing. The wives are very, very invested in this too. Um, wives see – Things at home that no one else sees. That's right. They mm-hmm. see the time. They see the they see the wear and the tear that People it takes. People have on no idea the amount of preparation that goes into coaching at, at your levels. Yes. They have no idea. And absolutely, and and my wife actually takes it harder than I do. Oh, mm-hmm. my wife get my wife really has a trouble when her husband gets attacked, and she's been doing this for thirty two years. She struggles because they don't know what all they give up, sacrifice to do mm-hmm. this, and how much we care. And you know, the, we're in the modern age of church security now. In the old days, they just sit, sit and heckle you. Now we have we have a sign. If you if I rub my head and you're causing a problem, our security team's taking you out. And so my <laughs> I'm gonna have to use it. Hey, no, it works just like this. You know, if I'm like this, I got him. I can deal with him. If I got this, it's like guys, this is out of my head. And you'll see a couple guys about your size escort them out and, and my wife's learned the signal too so people know she knows the signal so they're behaving better these days so praise right. god <laughs> coach martin you, you're in the big stadium i mean yeah. i mean and you're a sublime coach you're an incredible coach but i i gotta imagine you've had to deal with this how do you manage that after all these years and you, you know i i think a lot of it first of all for my wife it's very difficult especially when when we were younger mm-hmm. and i i became a coach as i said at a really young age so um we were young, and she's very protective of me, and she, as you said, knows the sacrifices that are made. Right. And so, but but I think having other coaches, families around her, and then we have close friends behind and to the side and in front. Good so there's support. a there's a great support group around her. Um, fortunately, I've coached in a place where a lot of the people in the crowd are people who I've coached their kids, and so there's it, it's not truly a, a great hostile environment usually, right. usually. but. 
my wife has learned to consider the source. Oh, wow. That's so, good. So, I mean, yeah. does that person making the noise have any credibility? Right. And most of the time, the answer Most of the time, no. And so you're not reacting there. I mean, so if, you, if somebody's a new coach out there, we're talking to these young people that are looking at coaching. That's one thing people are scared about because coming into coaching days, I mean, <laughs> just going to my 11-year-old granddaughter's softball games, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I feel bad for the referee. He ain't get paid enough for that. And then the coach, you know, playing time. This is 11 years old. It's 98 degrees out there. Everybody's playing. So, But you, you see what they're going through. And so there's a big deterrent today to going to sports, number one, kids' attention spans, this and that, and then, mm-hmm. then the flack. And then you add social media to it and what they can like stalk you on social media today do you guys have some recommendations for people out there to keep their faith and you know it sounds like support systems there but any any suggestions i think one of the things that we mentioned social media and i want to just want to add this when we sit down and talk about culture and expectations you need to address social media with your parents and, you. and address social media with your players uh, you need to let up let them know up front there are expectations for that. If there are grievances with the coach, yeah. you're asking they not be used as a social media platform. Absolutely. We can have a one-on-one conversation. And head some of that off early when you first have those parent meetings and you first meet with your players and tell them what's acceptable. So I think that heads off, not all, but it heads off some of That's the That's room for culture and ethos that you were talking Absolutely. about in the previous segment. You Absolutely. set those expectations. There's a way to do this. There's That's a way right. not to do this. And this is a team. You're trying to head off some of, the, some of those issues. Coaches, uh, either one of you? You guys good? Yeah. Nathan? I, I think I think Kerry hit it off. I think it goes back to uh, being open and honest with, with, your, um, with your parents and trying to be proactive in that. Um, and then also um, expressing to them, like, when you're available, how you're available, mm-hmm. um, what that process needs to look like. Uh, and then if, if those things don't work and they continue to go around them, I mean, at some point, again, you kind of got to do what Kerry said, and you got to consider the source a little yeah, bit. There you and, go. Right. I, remember, I remember a guy that you – all these coaches will know, Dick Korn, who coached at Pinckneyville for all those 700-plus – wins and all that he always had a, a chart a kind of one sheet paper <laughs> that he would hand to to parents saying these are the things i'll talk with your son about these are the things i'll never talk with you i'm sorry i'll talk with you about and it's like playing time is one of those we'll never talk about that right. uh if you want to know about why he's playing or why he's not playing you ask him he knows he knows he knows why he's <laughs> playing or why he's not and those kind of things some of those veteran coaches knew how to handle and they did it very directly but kindly and, and we're able to navigate those sometimes turbulent waters. Yeah, to add that, like what Roger said, you know, is, you know, we have a parent meeting at the beginning of the year, but one thing I did a couple of years ago, and it, it came from the three-dimensional coaching, is, hmm. is I let everything be open. If you want to come to practice, come to practice. That's good. I mean, we took the locks off the doors, as I said. And I say, you let me know. I'll have you a Diet Coke. I'll have you a schedule. I'll have you a chair. <laughs> but you're not going to interrupt my practice. Yeah, that's right. That's good. And in the eight years I've been a head coach, I've had zero people show up. Wow. That's and so I think if, like, Coach, if you are intentional and you are proactive instead of reactive, it takes care really, of a lot. Really There's still going to be some small bubbles, sure. but you take care of a lot This of is why I'm not a head coach at a varsity <laughs> level because I was thinking, this is just me, and everybody remember – Please pay attention here. My thought process is, if Coach Shane, if I'm if I'm your size, the first person to holler is 
I just go, I'm going to rip his arm out of his shoulders. I'm going to make it a great example of them. And they're going to say, what's the deal with the one arm guy? They're going to say, well, you know, you know, coach ripped his arm. Gardner, so everybody's like, nah, I got no problems, you know? So good thing y'all are here to help these young coaches because I would have suggested, yeah, you hope the first one that speaks is weak. So, <laughs> y'all's way is a lot better way. Yeah. Set some expectations. Really good communication. That's really the Christ, Christ-like way. Roger, I'm going to swing this over. Roger's going to start the roundup. Get ready, guys. Yeah, Coach um, Martin talked earlier about culture and how that's been done more purposefully in the last number of years. People talk about it more. I have two questions for each of you. What is it for you that shapes that? What's the language you use? How do you define the culture that you want to uh, inculcate into your team? And then secondly, what, what are the practices you do that build that? So how do you define it? How do you give it some word shape? And then what are the practices you do that help that uh, take shape in, in practice? Um, I'll go first. Uh, so uh, I, I guess it kind of goes back to a little bit of like why coach. Um, and it, there's, a, there's a couple pieces to that. Um, I want to help develop women of character who selflessly respect and care for those around them. And to do that, they first need to know what character looks like. Mm-hmm. They need to know what it means to be selfless and how they do it. Um, they need to know what it looks like to be respectful to each other and really care for each other. And um, first step is I have to explain that, but then I also have to consistently model those behaviors Bingo. for them. Exactly. I have to I have to be selfless towards them. I have to respect them. They have to know I care for them. Um, I can't expect them at 14, 15, 16 years old to have high character if be it 37 has no high character. Mm-hmm. Um, that's good. So I think, I think that's the big thing for me is that's how we kind of establish that culture on the front end is they know this is why I do it. And it has nothing to do with wins and losses. And I know that my success isn't uh, determined by wins and losses and championships. It's determined by what those individuals are going to look like in 10 or 20 years as, you know, wives, moms, employees, employers, you know, or they going to be women at 30 years old who other women would love to go work for? Hmm, or great. are they going to be women at 30 years old that no one wants to go work for? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, um, yeah. and, and that's kind of, I think, the foundation of where it starts. That's brilliant. That's, that's coming great. right out of your own ethic of coaching. And this is why I coach. And then that gives life to the rest of the process. And that's stable. It's year to year to year. To year. That doesn't change. And it, it helps you d- develop the whole thing. Uh, other guys, how are you approaching that? Uh, what shapes it, and then how do you build that in? You know, it just it just piggybacking off of exactly what Nathan said is, you know, I, I go to my purpose statement mm-hmm. and why I'm coaching, um, you know, uh, to reject passivity, to lead courageously, you know, to accept responsibility, and to expect a greater reward. And, and from there, it's teaching those things individually. And just like Coach Martin said, it's being intentional with it. You know, I, I think for the first half of, of my, my coaching career is I just hoped it happened mm-hmm. because of the drills we did or the things that or the things I demanded of them. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it would just stick. But now when I'm actually being proactive and intentional about it, like Coach Martin said, things are, you know, they're happening because you can see them. And I'm also learning that every year those change a little bit mm-hmm. because the kids change. Yeah, um, We're teaching the same umbrella but yet the way we reach it might be differently because the kids are differently yeah. but it all like just what nathan said it all comes back to me though 
if I'm not living or walking these things, you know, we hear the thing, if it doesn't happen in me, it's not going to happen through me. And so I think that's the biggest thing is, is we have to understand why we are doing this. I mean, our goals are all the same. And our purposes are the same, but not everyone else is. And exactly. I think we have to understand what those things Hit are. Hit that purpose statement again. It was good. My purpose statement? Yeah. It's to coach men who reject passivity, accept responsibility, lead courageously, and expect a greater reward. And that's right out of raising a modern day Raising night. a modern day night yeah, exactly. right there. Yep. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, that's I, where that I, came from. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. And um, that's what I've been able, it's been fun to watch you coach that way and to see that you're not only demonstrating it, but you give voice to it. You help define the language of that thing. And then that's how the guys, that's, that's how they grab it. Yeah. Good. Well, you know, for me, Roger, and thanks to you uh, and and the resources that you presented into my life um, with Joe Ehrman and some others, Mm -hmm. you, you said, Hey, listen, you've got this belief system that you have who you are, what you believe in, how, why are you coaching? But it's not organized. It's not thought mm. out. So I had to sit down, and I developed a John Wooden Pyramid of Beliefs oh, no for kidding. our program. And, so it, and I thought I could do this in five minutes. And about five weeks later, <laughs> I had erased and marked out and whited out, and it was a mess. And I kept, and I finally got the order of what I wanted nice. it to be. So, and, and, and what I was telling uh, Pastor here before we started today was that, ironically, what's really cool about it is, is that as I created that, it was all really from the bottom to the top, Christian principles. There you go. Absolutely. The principles exactly. of Christ sure. were that's within good. that pyramid from bottom to top, because I, I'm hoping that's who I am and that's what I believe. Absolutely. But without it saying any scripture on the side, it's mm-hmm. it's what we believe. So then I can present that to my players and say, this is what we believe. This is who we've been. This is who we are. But now it's tangible. Then we have a, a creed that hangs on our wall of belief mm-hmm. statements. And so... Then I find ways to have my coaches teach on each of those. Brilliant. I find video clips, articles, uh, anything. We have, we have team time where we just spend 5 to 15 minutes mm. on culture. In fact, our camp in July starts every night in the auditorium with our culture. Because I, I think the X's and O's stuff on the field will go far much better if the culture is right and what we're doing and we're on the same page and they understand what the expectations are. Those have been communicated. We've been very clear about what we believe and why we believe it. And so um, it's been transformative. You told me a long time ago, you said guys your age uh, are either out of coaching or have had to change. Yeah. Yeah. And and I knew that at some point I was going to have to change if I wanted to coach beyond the 30-year mark. Exactly. And and thank you for that. Well, one thing's for sure, him and I were talking, I already planned to invite him back and bring his coaches. (laughs) We're going to open up that episode when you come in and unpack this uh, this John Wooden paradigm pyramid. I think think it would completely help us. I think the church right now, everything you said, even the church could be doing inside the walls of the church in the same way, culture, the ethos, would make it much more effective at executing the Great Commission. Well, and I, you know, a lot of what I came up with came out of books that were not football books. Yeah. They're people, relationship mm-hmm. books, even business books. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book Good to Great yeah, was transformative in, in my life as far as a coach. I was, it was given me by a woman in Carterville. She said, I, I want you to read this. The Lord has put this on my heart. Huh. And I spent weeks and months not reading it. And every time I saw her, she said, you read that book yet? <laughs> and I'm like, I told Tracy, I said, I've got to read that book. She's driving me crazy. Yeah. And I read it and it changed my life. Changed, my, changed the way I coach. So, yeah, I you know, the that. Lord did put that in her hands. Get the that, right people in the right yeah, sequence. That's right. Yep. In summarizing this whole thought, uh, we all have read and listened to and 
talked with Joe Ehrman, and I loved Joe's kind of summary statement about these things. He said, look, winning is always the goal. That's why they turn on the scoreboard. It's never the purpose. There's something deeper going on in in the where, where we're coaching and with the people we're coaching that's way more significant than just the final score of the game. And so that sort of thing helps us, I think, keep us in harness of, yeah, that's the goal, but there's something deeper going on here. Yeah, that's actually something that uh, I've really been challenging our kids uh, this uh, this summer on, and um, they don't know it yet. And this is not that they're probably sixteen-year-old girls are going to listen to this anyway. But um, <laughs> it won't be released till you know August third. So we got I won't we won't spoil the surprise. But um, towards the end of the summer, I, I've asked them pretty much daily um, to be thinking about like, what is your purpose in sports? There you go. What is your purpose as an athlete? And I, I've continually come about, you need to be thinking about that. What, what do you think your purpose is here? Yeah. And they're going to have to tell me. They're going to have to really think about it and write it down of what do they want their purpose as a player in our program to be. And it's gonna, it, they're going to kind of be led through that of like, it has nothing to do with wins and losses. It has nothing to do with the skill that you end up with or, or you know, what, what college you go to. Those are great. And that might be a goal, but that's not your purpose, right? They're going to they're gonna have to define individually what their purpose is for us. Yep. And, and I think if they can start to do that and we can hit on that continually over and over again, it's going to drive some of those, those principles that we've talked about. It's going to drive them home. And now it's going to be on the forefront of their mind of like, okay, so man, you, you didn't respond very well today, hmm. right? How does that, how, how does that go back to you? Is that, is that helping your, with your purpose or is that pulling you away from your purpose? Hmm. Right. Hmm. So it's one of those things that we can constantly kind of go back to and check in on. That's really good. And that relational way of coaching, look at eyeball to eyeball, have have a conversation about what we experienced today, as opposed to just shouting at them or whatever. Um, I want to ask you, in their coaching as you are, all of you guys mentioned how important relationships were and that uh, the relationships keep you grounded in what you do. Let me ask you, how do you prioritize those uh, and which ones are the most helpful to you? Which relationships are most helpful and how do you make sure you prioritize time and effort and energy in those relationships? Easy question. (laughs) Oh, Roger. Coach Martin, yeah, that's fine. jump in there. So, you know, I think just like we talked about the dailies, mm-hmm. uh, the things you do every day, I think relationship and relationship building is daily. Yeah. Uh, the first thing I did today at workouts was I made sure I made contact with every line of kids warming up. Smart. And I try to find something non-football related to that's talk right. to them about. Yep. You know, there's a, there's a the new thing a lot of coaches are doing called the 4-H's. Mm. You mm-hmm. get the yeah. kids to talk in small groups about their history, about their heroes, about their hardships, and what their hope is. Their hope mm-hmm. can be their goals. And you, you put them in small groups, and you find out things about each other you never knew before. Exactly. But what I found out when I began to have that conversation with my players and do some one-on-ones, I asked them things non-football related that would give me a connection with them. I found out a kid was a drummer in a, in a, in a Christian band. I found yeah. out a kid collected this. A kid played violin, had no idea. Yeah. So, But it, it opened up the door to that relationship there stuff. That this guy cares about me, not just a football player, but just a quick conversation. How's this going? Got a Steeler fan on my team. We talk about the Steelers. Go Steelers. Right? A lifelong Steeler. Right. And so there's that connection that's just non-football, yeah. 
but it's it's a daily. It's a That's daily. Good. Got that cup of coffee walking around saying, how are you today? You know, just a connection every day. And I think that's the beginning yeah, that's uh, of what it means. And I know these guys all do that well. Sure. But it sounds like a small thing to these kids, mm-hmm. knowing that someone cares now more than ever. That is a big deal. And you've done that personally, not through social media. It's really you've touched somebody. I think there's a starvation right now amongst people for tactile, tangible interaction. Good point. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be long because 160 characters, but if it's just, if it's just real eyeball to eyeball, it's, it's important. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think for me is uh, to, to go kind of along with, with what coach Martin was talking about is um, I want to be truthful with them too and understand um, that I've had to have this conversation a few times that I want them to understand that, they need us and our team more than our team needs them individually. Mm -hmm. And when they can understand that piece that man, like I need to be a part of this team. There you go. I need to be a part of this culture because it is going to be good for my life. Um, It's amazing when they, when that light bulb comes on, it's like immediate buy-in. That's good. Um, But it's some, I we're finding now it's taking longer than, than some others and some of them are going to have to have uh some pretty eye-opening conversations of listen you need us more than we need you and if you don't if you don't understand that you're you're not going to have the opportunity to be with us and um not that i won't care about them afterwards Mm -hmm. but if they can't get on the bus and do what we're asking them to do and buy in then they're not going to get the fruits of that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's the thing too of, and I think it, at Carterville I, I have a little bit more of an opportunity to to do that because mm-hmm. I have more numbers. Where yeah. at Cobden, I do that, and next thing you know, I've got four kids left. <laughs> you know, so can't build um, a team. Yeah. So I think I think I've I've had the ability to kind of be a little bit more honest with mm-hmm. with some people and and challenge them a little bit more ways than I might have in the past. Yep. Coach Garner. You know, to, to kind of add what, what Coach Martin talked about with, you know, I, I try to do the same thing. You know, I, I'm, I'm pretty – I'm a pretty rigorous person when when the first second takes off until the last second. I'm there for business, and that's it's – it's a no-nonsense time. Mm-hmm. And so I try to kind of be different than that before and after practice. There you go. Um, I try that's to good. joke around a little bit. Yeah. I try to smile. I, I don't smile very often. Um I tried to joke. I tried to smile. I try to make physical contact. There you go. Whether a high five, a handshake, a hand mm-hmm. on the shoulder. Yep. You know, I got kids that's got crazy hair. Mullets are coming back, and you know, and I'll you know mess around with a mullet here and there, and, <laughs> and just to kind of joke around with them. Right. But that's good. I think over the past year that has been lost tremendously. And I'll tell you what else: naming a kid by his first name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, calling him out, saying, "Dalton, how you doing today, man?" And it's like, you yeah, know, it's direct. Personal. It's not just a, hey, what's going on, man, and, and moving on. It, it, it's making it specific to the kids. You personally. Uh, one more thing, and I, I think, you know, <clears throat> I, I came from an era of old school coaching. Mm-hmm. I played for an old school coach. I grew up around when I was a, a starting coach. It was old school. Yeah. Most of those guys are gone now, and I'm one of the last guys left. And one of the things I think people misunderstand is they think that this relational coaching is soft. No. Right. Here's the, here's the difference. 
if you don't relationally coach, you can't coach tough yeah. anymore. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right? So mm-hmm. if you start challenging kids without a relationship today, they will walk away. Check out. Absolutely. So if you don't build relationships and they know they're valued, then you have the opportunity to really challenge them mm-hmm. on the field, off the field, academically, character-wise. They know you care. They can't say you don't. Yep. But if you don't build that relationship and you start challenging them, they'll walk away. Yeah. Or, the, or they'll disconnect anyway. Totally so. Yeah, absolutely. I, see, see, when I grew up coaching, uh, playing myself in Crothersville, Missouri, freshman year, Coach Block, I mean, no water, helmet always on. You know, I mean, I mean, brutal stuff. I mean, I mean, by the time I started coaching, you know, eight years later, you had to give water and the breaks and all that stuff. I mean, I remember the first time we had water, we had a horse trough, and we just all had to drink from it. And what would happen <laughs> is the horse trough, we got a horse trough. He, they made him get water, and they put a horse trough out there, and it had a little flood valve. And so what happened to the seniors? go first they get their heads on it and clean out their helmets because we had those old right ale helmets with packs they're sweaty nasty and then this then the junior then juniors got to go so by the time the freshmen got to that water they were slush on it and i just would go down deep because i want to get under it you know what i'm saying you you couldn't do that You, you can't do none of that today and we played outside in the rain as long as he could keep his cigarette lit he would have towels around it and as long as the cigarette could stay lit and he was a chain smoker we said but if his cigarette went out he said we're going in the gym you know you know and, and I think about that as a pastor. I'm a, I'm a, I, I kind of relate to you, uh, Coach Garner, because when I come in on Sunday morning and I've got my game plan, the Lord's given me a message. Everybody at Community Faith Church knows this: don't talk to Pastor Troy till I will stay till four o'clock after church. I will greet, hang out, have coffee, sit around forever. But but before kickoff. You, I don't want to visit. The only people I want to talk to is Lucas, my worship leader. I want to pray. I prayer walk during the worship. I enjoy, I go in the back and prayer walk till I'm dialed in. And I'm like, I hear that cylinder, you know, like a gun cylinder click, click. When I hear caliber, I get on the platform. I don't even get on the platform till I hear that. I, at times I tell our worship leader, just keep going. I'm not ready. You know, I'm just not ready for game time. And, and I can do that because everybody knows I'll be there at the end as long as they need me. But the, people will tell new people, hey, don't bother him now. He's getting prepped. You know, you can be tough if you they know you're there for them before and after, you know. Yeah. And then every now and then I'll go out before, I'll really mess up. I'll go out, say, hey, how are you doing today? They said, are you talking to me? I said, I'm not preaching <laughs> today. <laughs> they always Preach. know if I'm visiting out front, Roger's preaching. So, so yeah, Roger. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Just going back to Coach Ehrman, because when we he first, I read in one of his books, he said, I have direct personal conversation every single player every single day well I, I met him the first time and i pushed back i said all right come on how do you get that done there's 60 some odd players out there how do you get that done he said pretty simple i read the one minute manager most of those conversations are about 30 seconds but it's like what did you have for lunch today that's the level of that relationship hey how's your mom tell me what's going on or it's this thing over here how'd you do on that algebra test today it's something off the field that's direct connection and he says because i talk to them every day those things all flow and i can stay connected with them but it builds the relationship and it's more than a transactional thing of i'm going to coach you so that you give me these 400 yards this weekend no there's something else going on here this is i I want it for you and that clicks excellent hey i want to ask a question i i this came up in our in-between time we were talking about in the previous episode that you know 
you, in life, you have to decide who you are. Are you going to execute that plan? Or are you going to be reactive? And, and during our break time before we shot this cast, uh, Coach Martin, you brought up a formula. You guys all seem to jive on it. Uh, e plus R equals O. Will you guys, all of you, talk us through that a little bit? Because I think this formula could help us as Christians function in life, function in the world. You know, so help us, see, help us there and help us bridge it. Any one of you that want to go with yeah. it? Yeah, uh, event plus response equals outcome. So, and basically what this equation is, is there's going to be events that happen. You know, circumstances happen, things that are going to come our way that we don't have control over. But what we do have control over is how we respond to them. And we can't necessarily dictate the exact outcome that we want, but our response will kind of deter that outcome into a better situation. And so basically it's saying, you know, and I think, one of the main teachings that we talked about this in the last episode is there's going to be things that happen during the course of a game, course of a life, things are going to happen. There's going to be events and our responses to those things. And this is where it goes even further is my response to a certain situation now becomes an event for Nathan. That's right. Mm -hmm. And so now we're setting ourselves, we're setting someone else up for success by how we respond. And what's the beauty of this is it fits anything. You're describing kind of a chain reaction, so and I'm assuming if if it if your event can now create it kind of triggers his or your response triggers his event, that means that there's when you when you're when when the rock hits your life, and, and the ripple, it's now going to impact his life, and he's got to decide how he's going to respond to it. So you could have a a team that gets stronger, you could have a team that gets broke down, you could have a family that gets you see families have a, a tra- tragic loss in their family, some families fall apart. Some families come together like you've never seen before. You see that in marriages and stuff. So h- how do you navigate that, that being a positive response or a negative response or a positive growing event or a negative growing event? Well, and I, and I think the way you look at this is in, in, in our, our domain in coaching, if you look at players on the field or on the court and how they're behaving, I guarantee that head coach is behaving the same way. Hmm. whether it's good or bad. So his response or her response to these things that are going on, that's that ripple effect. Those are the events that it's creating in those wow. young kids' lives. Wow. And now they're behaving that same way. You know, and Coach Martin was talking about culture. Well, the way he's responding, you can see it. You can see on the field exactly what he is representing. So you can see pre- the same thing when Nathan's teams take the court. They're representing the same thing that he's representing. Your presentation is that players take up the ethos of their of their coaches or their role models in this case. Yeah, because yeah. when you look at there, there's no one, when he goes to football practice or a workout in their volleyball practice, there is no one who has more eyes on them than they do. So, so I come up with one song, The Cat's in the Cradle. Yeah. Right, go. right. Yep. You know, basically, if, if you want to have a good team, then you need to be a good role model. Pass that to your team, and that reaction that that's that's a repetitive action or creation. Yeah, I remember watching Dale Lennon when he coached football at SIU. Dale never panicked. Guess what? His teams never panicked because he didn't. They ever something some event would happen. They watch. They're watching their head coach to see how's he going to respond when he was placid. Next play. Everybody, okay, I guess we go to the next play. We just keep playing. And that was huge for the, the mentality of that team. They just never panicked. Well, I think as Christian role models, as head coaches and, and, and carrying that mantle, whether you're working as pastors or elders in churches or leaders or are your Christian parents, how we, how we handle ourselves will determine how the, the next – the players, the, the people that we're coaching, uh, the parishioners that, that I pastor, your, your kids. So so we're going to reap what we sow in some extent. 
so to speak. And it looks to me like as a church of Jesus Christ, the larger church, we've got a lot of work to do because maybe we're not happy with how people are functioning in the world and what's being done and past the culture. We have to look back and say, well, what are we putting out? So you have to go back to the culture of what the church has done and plan it in just like you would in the game. So I think we've got a lot of work to do, but the good thing is it doesn't take much to change other than resolve that we're going to enter into real relationships, that we're going to really kind of get our, our, our culture right, and then we're going to, we're going to play for the, the longer game. You're talking about playing for life lessons. So go ahead, Coach. I, I think one more thing. I think sometimes we, we can even go a step further beyond our response. I think sometimes the event, if we handle it correctly, can lead to something even better than what we had before. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, and so when you win eight games in three years, as I did at Marion, my first three years, we won eight total games. Um, I had to respond to that because all eyes were on me. And so I had to make some changes due to that, that event of failure. But those changes that I made because of it made me a better coach mm -hmm. and transformed the program in the long run. You see what I'm saying? So it yeah. wasn't just respond in the right way for the temp for the temporary situation. Sometimes the right response, and you you look at that situation, you look at that event, and you handle it the right way. You can learn something from it because you responded correctly. That helps you grow as a program, as a person, as a team. And I think that's what I've learned in my experience. If you handle it incorrectly, you'll miss the opportunity. Yeah, and, and, and I'm going to wrap up with this. It looks to me like what you're saying is if you handle this right, your team, your, your personal witness, your walk, whether it's family, whatever, you can evolve. You can, you can develop and grow. And I, I do know this, when you make the mistakes, when you don't handle the event right, it can take you four, five, six times as long to recover and get back to where you were. Exactly. You use up a lot of capital. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot more money, capital, you know, and sweat and tears to get back that trust and rebuild that relationship with the kid that doesn't know you than it does if you if you get it right the first time. So I think for young coaches out there, young parents, it's a way to do it. Yes. Yeah, uh, I think just to, to kind of piggyback off that, um, if I'll, I'll share a story real quick um so uh about nine and a half nine and a half ten years ago uh my wife and i were trying to to, to get pregnant have our have our first child and uh, something we'd struggled with for a couple of years and finally got pregnant and man it was awesome we were celebrating and telling everybody and um uh at 11 and a half weeks we my wife miscarried and wow. it, it was it was to this day still the hardest thing that we've ever went through and it was devastating and 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 i remember like feeling like, man, I just got to hold it together. Right. I just got to hold it together. And then, um, the, our, our air conditioner went out. No, I've just got to hold it together. I got to hold it together. Right. Our, 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 uh, sewer backed up. I just got to hold it together. Right. Wow. And then our stove broke. And that was, that was the, the kicker, right. That's when it, it all fell apart. Mm -hmm. And I remember we had some, some dear friends kind of going back to what we've talked about, uh, on this episode and last episode about the relationships. And, um, we just had people who loved us so much through that. And, um, continued to delicately um, point us to Jesus. And wow. looking back, um, we kind of had that, that, those were the events, right? And our response was uh, to, to go to Jesus with it. And it wasn't fun. It wasn't easy. It wasn't um, what we necessarily wanted to do in the moment. Uh, we, we were angry, we were mad, we were, you know, frustrated, we were sad, um, but we, we went to Jesus with it. And over time, we were able to get to a point where he healed us of, of that, that pain and, 
And um, we began to be able to to share that story with other couples who had experienced that. And looking back, um, I know 100% without a doubt because of the response that we we chose, um, it made me a better husband, one, because I learned how to love my wife through crisis. Uh, And two, it made me a better father um, and a better coach because, man, I just, I just learned to love better through it. And and I learned to see, you know, those girls that I coach in a different way than I might have before. It's amazing. Um, And, and I just think that that was one of those huge life events that because we chose what we did, we're where we're at now where we could easily just said heck with it i'm done with you jesus it's over like we didn't get what we wanted um we're out and i know that my life would be completely different Mm -hmm. if that would have been the response i really appreciate that i tell you i tell you how i I think i want to end this i just want i just want to pray for you guys so could we pray father i just thank you for i thank you for roger and his work with fellowship of christian athletes for 27 years he's poured into people's hearts and you can see the impact on on southern illinois it's all over lord i pray for his new endeavor with nation of coaches and just thank you for his work lord and i just thank you for nathan and and his family and shane and his family and kevin and his family lord i just pray a blessing on their programs lord on their teams lord uh their especially their families first of all um we pray for the lions lord the volleyball team lord that you just be with them this year and let them build that culture uh, that's just going to bring excellence to them and to those ladies, Lord, and let them just, uh, we just pray that they just accelerate life. And we just pray that blessing on them. Father, we pray for Shane. We do pray that they would deal with those red devils there in Cesar Valier, <laughs> but, but we do pray for them. We, we bless them. Pray for the basketball team there, Lord, as he just enculturates those, those, those men, Lord, and gets them prepared to do excellence, Lord. I just pray with him and his family and his church, Lord, and his leadership. And Coach Martin, we thank you for him, Lord, and his transition in life right now, coaching now, and just, just that's his love, Lord. And we just pray you just bless him and thank you for the many years he served and the mm-hmm. mentorship he gives. And Father, we pray for his team this year, his coaches. And we just thank you for the influence these men have on Southern Illinois. Mm-hmm. And we are honored and blessed by their leadership, by their families, Lord. And we just pray a blessing on them. The Bible says when prophets come, bless them. We bless them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just thank you for their ministry so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we want to thank you guys so, so much for being with us. You guys are incredible. We'll get you guys back for different shows individually i got to get you guys all back in here and just have a lot more time with you because you guys got a tremendous heart and so uh i just i just appreciate you giving up your afternoon walking into the studio you've never seen and being a part of on the dock so let me wrap up with this real quick i'm going to once again give roger one more plug roger's with the nation of coaches character coach director new job big title top of the page go check out their website <laughs> nationofcoaches.com you'll see him at the very top lots of staff he's up at the top line i like that uh, you can reach out to him at our life at nationsofcoaches.com Roger is prolific at writing. Get one of his books. I think I've been telling people for all the episodes, they need to buy these books and give them to their coaches, young coaches, old coaches. These are great gifts. And to the players, there's some of these are designed for players. So get those, check those out. Feel free to reach out to Roger about that. He's also a prolific blogger. Get on his blog's YouTube channel as well. We'll put all those stuff with the show notes. But as always, you can find us at onthedoc.org. You can email us for any of that information if you'd like it, info at onthedoc.org. And we want you to watch us on any of our platforms. You guys get find one of our platforms. We're going to launch. Uh, we'll get going here in August, and we'll be having these up every Tuesday 
Thursday. You'll find them on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Facebook, Roku, Rumble, Sermonette, and we will be getting them out through our social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Telegram. And uh, we'll be, all of them are under On the Dock with Pastor Troy. So when you find those places, uh, in July, we'll be putting up all of our uh, info stuff that leads us off. And these will be some of our very first shows that go out. So, uh, so it's going to be incredible. This will be our first month of stuff. And please, when you find our platforms, hit subscribe, like, notify, share, comment, and all those kind of things. And you can find us and become a partner or sponsor at Patreon. Uh, and find us at On the Dock Partner, On the Dock with Pastor Troy at Patreon site. And if you don't have a church. Now, tell me again, everybody goes to church. Lakeland Baptist. Lakeland Baptist. Rogers, Lakeland Baptist. Fine Church, Carbondale, Illinois. Fine Church. Jesus Center, Cesar, Illinois. Jesus Center, Cesar, Illinois. Cornerstone Church in Marion. All good churches want you to do that. If you don't have a, any other options, you can always join us at Community Faith Church. I'm the pastor here, and we're, we're the studio's here, and we're at 10 o'clock on Sunday, 6.30 on Wednesdays. Love to have you. If you want to check us out, we have a presence, a virtual campus at COFTV.com, also on Facebook and YouTube. So we're sure glad to have you again, guys. Thank you very much. Roger, thank, thank you. Thank you, Troy. My great pleasure. It's been an incredible experience, and we're signing off. We'll see you in our next podcast at On the Dock with Pastor Troy.